This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 18th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. How does this presidential race play out if it's close? Both parties have built-in excuses, pardon me, reasons not to accept the outcome. And we should remember the president of the United States, currently running behind, complained about the rigged election of 2016 that he won. J.D. Tuchile of Reason argues that the final result, again, if the election is close, won't be good for faith in American institutions. When we talk about uh, the integrity of the 2020 election, and it's just it's it continues to be bonkers to me that that is a discussion that that needs to be had. What are the aspects of it that uh, concern you most? I think what we're looking at is the unwillingness of the two major political factions in this country to accept loss um, and to uh, accept the legitimacy of a win by the other side. Uh, we've reached a point where our country is, well, big parts of the country, certainly not the whole thing, but big parts of the country are divided into two main political factions. They despise each other. They live largely separate from each other. They have different values, different lifestyles. And they uh, view each other not just as opponents within a legitimate democratic system, but as enemies. And uh, no one can really afford to lose a major contest to an enemy. So uh, the stakes are very high. Practically speaking, what does that mean when when it comes to like what when it comes to the mechanics of an election? What does that mean? Practically speaking, well, there's there's an awful lot of tradition involved in accepting a loss in an election. Um, a lot of it is simply uh, we have a custom of simply saying I won or I lost at the end of an election. That's not always the case. Um, there are plenty of countries where elections are commonly contested. And there's a real possibility we're about to join the ranks of those countries. So all those little banner republics that we used to make fun of, that could be us this November. We could end up having not just a drawn out count, but a refusal by a big chunk of the country to accept the outcome. To the extent that this uh, refusing to accept an electoral outcome, uh, I can remember election night uh, 2019 here in Kentucky, where the governor of Kentucky stepped onto the stage and said, hold on, folks. The numbers were basically in. And he said, hold on, folks. I'm hearing word of improprieties uh, around the state of something has gone wrong. Something uh, is not being counted that should be counted. Do you expect that this year? I think there's a very high likelihood of that, especially since we have a president who has been beating the drum about how unacceptable to him um, how easily finessed, supposedly, uh, mail-in ballots are. In the midst of the pandemic, mail-in ballots, postal ballots, look like a relatively safe way to conduct an election that doesn't get people uh, crowded into polling places, doesn't have them lined up. You fill out a sheet of paper, you send it in. And the president is already warning his supporters that an election held that way is potentially illegitimate, that the ballots can easily be uh, gamed, and that the outcome can't be re- uh, relied upon. Now, I'll t- around and say that his opponents have also been beating the drums about foreign interference in our elections for years, uh, the Russians in particular. Um, So both sides have set themselves up with an excuse for questioning the outcome of the election. 
And we do have a complicated process. We, we don't have one election. We have 50 elections that are conducted according to the rules of 50 separate states. And it really could get messy. A lot of those states are not accustomed to, to conducting mail-in elections. And uh, New York has already given us kind of a demonstration of how badly wrong that can go, where it took them a long time to settle um, the outcomes of a lot of contests in the primary election. So this really could be very messy. And a lot of people who don't want to accept a loss will have already given themselves an excuse to refuse the outcome. In order for that to be a problem, it would have to be pretty close, wouldn't it? Yes, I would say so. I mean, if we have a blowout on one side, if, um, I mean, my crystal ball broke back in 2016 and it's been out for repairs ever since then. So I'm not predicting outcomes anymore. But if we have a blowout by any one side, um, trying to pretend that the outcome was because of stuffed ballot boxes is going to be very, very hard. But if we have anything close, if we have anything that's contestable, you know, if, if just a few points difference in the vote, it's really um, going to be relatively easy for somebody who does not want to lose to refuse to accept the outcome. Or if we have another outcome where, say, majority of votes nationally goes for one candidate, the electoral college victory goes to the other candidate, um, something that has happened a few times in recent history, and that's very unpopular with large segments of the population, that's going to set up, um, even though that's constitutionally permissible, that's going to set up the grounds for a contested election, too. That could lead in the, out, in the aftermath, obviously, to legal protests, but also going to lead to street protests. We've seen a lot of street violence this year. There's a lot of civic tension, and this could lead to the sort of problems that we've always assumed were the domain, say, of a Belarus or a Central American banana republic. Um, our country really could follow down that same path. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to remember uh, Donald Trump in 2016 saying the election was rigged, that he won, that there were significant problems with that election, too. Uh, so it seems likely to me that uh, Donald Trump will find a way to kvetch about whatever the electoral outcome is, even if he's on the the winning side of it. Um, you you sense that from Democrats as well. I mean, beyond beyond Russia, is that a likely outcome? And 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 is it likely in your view that uh, Democrats, Biden, Harris? Uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and other prominent Democrats that they would actually say, well, we do not accept this outcome. The headline grabber right now in terms of um, rejecting the legitimacy of our elections is certainly our president. I mean, this is a guy, as you point out, who complained about the election that he won. Um, the idea that he's going to easily accept the loss of, at the polls in November seems a bit of a stretch. Uh, the guy is a th he's thin skinned, he's narcissistic, he's got a problem with it. The Democrats have never accepted the legitimacy of Trump's win. Now, that's independent of the fact that he's got some issues that we all might agree upon in terms of his qualities as a person, let alone his qualities as a president. They've never um, really the legitimacy of his win. So, and they have talked about Russian interference pretty much nonstop. We had an impeachment based on that, that uh, concluded this past, uh, you know, the beginning of this year, right before the pandemic broke. So both sides really have set themselves up um, in a position to object to the outcome of the election if they don't like that outcome. Which is the more probable case? Which side is more likely to reject it? I don't know. I mean, it really is going to depend upon who feels uh, that there are was on the short end of the stick come November or probably December, given how long it's probably going to take to count some ballots. Uh, but I'm not really 
concerned about just the health of one side of, of one of our main political parties. I'm concerned about the overall health of the political process. Americans as a whole right now are not very content with the political process, with democracy. When you ask them about their opinion of the system, large numbers will give a grudging, eh, it's okay. And um, just a slightly smaller number will say, no, they don't like the way our democracy is working. There's growing acceptance of the idea of an authoritarian ruler suspending the Constitution, suspending Congress for just a couple of years. And when you ask people questions about um, how they think the system, you know, our problems should be resolved right now, there's growing acceptance of the idea that the military perhaps should step in. And, um, and set things right, whatever that might mean. It's still talking about a, a minority of people feeling that way, but it's a growing minority and a growing discontent with the way democracy works. That's sort of a rot at the core of the system, something that eats away at the traditions that let a democracy work. Two other items. One is that uh, Donald Trump tweeted out, hey, maybe we delay the election until it can be conducted safely. And to the extent Republicans are still paying attention to his Twitter feed, and many uh, abjectly refuse to acknowledge if they read it or not, uh, there it was, it was either silence or shouting, uh, including some prominent voices on the right saying this is absolutely unacceptable for a president to say. The other one is uh, the, this notion that the post office uh, which will be charged with carrying uh, a large volume of votes, a larger volume than they would in a normal election year, may be compromised in uh, uh, executing that task. Um, I think it was noted by uh, Nick Gillespie at Reason himself that even if that were the case uh, where every voter were voting by mail, that would account for Roughly all of those ballots would account for about a little less than a third of what the post office carries every day. So, what do you what do you make of of, of those two items? Well, I mean, Trump is in some ways we're lucky with Trump in that because his natural instincts are authoritarian; they're opposed to the normal functioning of a democracy. But he's also lazy. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of hot air to him. If we had a competence strong man. If we had a competent authoritarian in the White House, we'd probably be more, more at risk than we are now. Um, his inclinations lie in that direction. He just doesn't have the, uh, I think, the energy, the competency to push them to where they would go. So yeah, it is outrageous that he would push to, to uh, delay the election. Fortunately, he doesn't have the authority to do that on his own. And either way, um, he it, ceases to be president at noon on January 20th. Whether he likes it or not. So the risk isn't whether he continues to be president. The risk, the risk is whether he gins up his supporters and brings them out into the street. That is the sort of thing that can cause a real problem for us, whatever the, uh, whatever the law has to say about who is actually president come Inauguration Day. And with regard to the post office? Well, with regard to the post office, yes. The post office is semi-competent at the best of times. Now, you can certainly have a functioning mail-in election. Arizona, in the last election, about 80% of the ballots were mailed in. That's normal here. Um, but you have to give yourself time. You have to have competency in doing that. Um, and you have to have a, um, an administrator of the, of the executive branch who's not actively trying to undermine the ability of the post office, well, the semi-ability of the post office to step up and uh, deliver ballots and uh, get them to their end destination in time. Um, yes, can the post office drop the ball on this? Even at the best of times, the post office is perfectly capable of dropping the ball on this. But uh, if Trump actively wants to undermine the ability to, um, to get this done, he, he can. And he can create more grounds for questioning the outcome of the election. 
J.D. Tuchella is a contributing editor at Reason. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.